welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is the place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Marcus Fairmudge, fund manager of the TR Property Investment Trust. Marcus has been managing the TR Property Investment Trust since 2011 and is a partner at Thames River Capital, now part of BMO Global Asset Management. Along with managing the TR Property Investment Trust, he's a co-manager of the, the BMO Property Growth and Income Fund, which he launched in 2005, and BMO Global Real Estate Securities Fund. Previously, he was a fund manager at Henderson Global Investors from 1997 to 2004. Prior to joining Henderson, Marcus was an associate partner at Knight Frank. He's a chartered surveyor and holds a BSc in land management from Reading University. So thanks, first of all, very much for joining us, Marcus, and for sparing us some of your time. So if we could start from the top, could you talk us through the strategy and indeed the objectives for the trust? Yes, indeed, Richard. So TR Property Investment Trust is a, um, a specialist investment trust investing in pan-European uh, real estate equities uh, and also, uh, to a smaller extent, UK physical commercial property as well. Uh, the, the benchmark um, that the board set me to beat is the FTSE EPRA NAREIT uh, Developed Europe Real Estate Index. So that's a very long sentence, but quite simply, it's a, um, a basket of around 85 uh, companies, 90 companies in total um, uh, across Europe, covering both um, commercial and, and residential sectors. Not house builders, but there are owners of, um, of, of, of large, uh, effectively buy-to-let blocks, but we'll come on to that a bit later, I'm sure. The second part of the strategy is to pay... Um, a progressive dividend wherever possible. Uh, I'm very pleased to have had a, a, a progressive dividend um, that's had a, a 9% uh, compound annualized growth rate uh, over, the last, over the last decade. Okay, you, you mentioned there that uh, you actually invest in physical property. Yes, um, the strategy for our, our physical property is really up to uh, about 15% of our total assets. Um, and we focus on two distinct parts of the market. The first is uh, taking advantage of our closed-ended nature of, of the trust, the permanent capital, which is, the, uh, is to buy uh, very long-term regeneration opportunities. Uh, we have two currently. One is the colonnades in Bayswater. It's a mixed scheme where we've just uh, opened a couple of years ago a new 40,000 square foot uh, Waitrose um, supermarket wasn't there before, and a bunch of shops below that. We actually did a first floor level, and it has a, a lot of flats uh, above, most of which are sold off, but where we've been able to improve and make sales there as well. The other very long term site is at Ferrier Street in Wandsworth. So, this is last mile urban logistics. We think it's the second closest industrial estate to Hyde Park Corner. And we've just very recently um, uh, let a units to Sweaty Betty, the uh, female athleisure wear retailer, at a record rent, uh, which equates to about £27 per foot. Bear in mind that I bought this estate 20 years ago and the rents were six to seven pounds. That shows you the amount of, of rental growth we've had. The other strand to our physical uh, portfolio is to buy um, particular subsectors 
where we feel that the equity market is either looking too expensive or where we're struggling to get exposure to that particular asset class. So we own industrial and urban logistics, although we've recently just sold uh, our urban logistics uh, unit at the junction of the M4 and the M5. Um, and at the moment, we are uh, looking quite, um, quite keenly uh, at a number of retail warehousing opportunities, which is particularly those at the, the more affordable end, where rents are sort of 10 to 15 pounds per foot, not the, the much higher end of the market. And, that, and that's that, those type of assets are very hard to come by in a listed context. And presumably the fact that you limit them to the total amount of the portfolio will um, assuage any liquidity concerns that we've seen in other property funds rather than trusts. Yes, just on, on that point, we think that um, TR Property Investment Trust as a closed-ended uh, vehicle is a really, uh, really great place to get exposure to, uh, to real estate and real estate equities um, because there is no there is no liquidity concerns. It's not as I'm going to be suddenly a forced uh, seller. Um, to be quite honest, we actually the sister fund that I run, Property Growth and Income, uh, I launched in 2005, explicitly stating that real estate, open ended, and daily dealing shouldn't all be in the same sentence. Felt strongly that investors aren't, aren't served well by these structures that are prone to being gated or having to have very large uh, cash positions. Now, in fact, TR Property Investment Trust is actually geared um, and we're able to take advantage of what has been you know, post the nadir of the market uh, in towards the end of March last year, um, a, 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 re a recovering environment and particularly post November um, uh, with the vaccine. So, you know, we, we are able to utilize our, uh, the opportunity to have gearing in the trust, um, safe in the knowledge that we are, you know, this isn't an open-ended vehicle, people aren't going to come and ask for their money back. And I think in the medium term, we will see investors uh, really move away from those open-ended daily dealing structures that really are failing everybody. Uh, and they will either buy into something like TR property uh, or something like property growth and income, which is our, our hybrid, which is a more of a more of a 60-40 or 70-30 equities physical. Understood. So just to put a, a bit of colour on the trust, what are the sort of geographical and, and inverted commas sector allocations of the trust? Yeah, that's a good, Richard, great question. So we are very pan-European and uh, are effectively that split roughly 30% UK, 70% continental Europe. Um, However, within that, it's uh, what is sort of almost more important than the geography is actually the, the, the asset classes, the, the subsectors that we're in. Um, and I, I mentioned at the beginning about residential, but not house builders. And this is a major focus for us. So we, we have about um, 27, 28% of the, of the fund actually in residential. Now, what this is, this is buy to let on an industrial scale. So we have a big holding uh, what, what was in the news yesterday um, was the merger of Vonovia and Deutsche Wohnen in Germany. So this will, when these companies come together, this will create a, uh, a single business with over half a million flats. Um, so this is the, uh, the, the other end of the scale from the mum and dad, mum and pop, you know, owning a couple of buy-to-lets. And uh, we also we have the same situation, a lot of exposure in, in, in Sweden as well, and a little bit in the UK. Now, why are we in particularly Germany and Sweden 
it's because rents are regulated. So they, um, units are affordable. Um, there is a, a, a limit on, on the rental growth, but at the same time, the companies we're invested in uh, are, are constantly driving um, efficiencies through the scale of their business. Plus, you know, when, when people move out of the flats, they refurbish them, sometimes sell them, uh, sell on the, 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 the freeholds, uh, long leaseholds, uh, what's called uh, um, uh, condominiumization. Um, or alternatively, they relet them, but at, at open market <laughs> rents. And particularly what we like is there's virtually no vacancy in these units. Um, and if you take something like Venovia, which is our largest position in the fund, shares are, are trading at 50 euros per share. If you wish to rebuild that portfolio, it would probably cost you closer to, to 80 euros per share. So your, your the stocks are trading at below rebuild cost. And that's because these, these rents are limited to being below market. At the same time, I'm getting a healthy uh, earnings yield of, uh, of more than 4%, 4.5%, um, and that is itself growing um, ahead, of, ahead of indexation. And that's, that's a really important part of our, uh, our exposure. So whilst I'll tell you that beyond residential, we have um, you know, 20% of the portfolio invested in industrial and logistics, we'll possibly come back to that in a moment, another 20% in uh, in offices, these office, office markets are all over Europe. And what we're finding in the, in the post-pandemic world is that occupancy of uh, or office utilization in smaller cities is very high, back to pre, pre-COVID levels. It's really only London and Paris where people have to commute from a lot further distance, spend a lot more time um, squished on public transport, um, that people have been more reluctant to return. But when we look at... Uh, at Stockholm, at Oslo, uh, at Madrid, at Milan, um, these uh, Hamburg, Berlin, people, yeah, very high levels of, of, of office utilization again, which is which is which is very encouraging. And then the other part of our portfolio, which is very hard for investors to access in any kind of physical only fund, is getting access to things like student accommodation, self storage, um, supermarkets, healthcare. All of these are. are interesting parts of the market that we're exposed to. One of the factors that's really important looking forward through the rest of 21 and into 22 is the fear of inflation. And actually what we're finding, if we look at our residential plays or supermarkets or healthcare, or to an extent uh, self-storage, these these, um, companies have indexation through their contracts, through their underlying contracts. So we know we're we're going to Keep up with two, three, four percent rental growth um, if if that if indexation continues to to push on upwards. So it's it's highly defensive, and it's one of the great things that real estate offers you. It offers you a a much bigger um, uh, income margin over fixed income, but more importantly, that income is also itself growing. And when we look at our industrial logistics exposure, we're all buying more kit online. So facts, facts of life. Um, we've been underweight uh, retail property for many, many years. I think I started writing bleating almost about um, the online challenge in the 2013 annual report of TR Prop. So we've been very conscious of this for a long time. Um, and there we're just seeing natural rental growth. There's just a lack of supply, very strong tenant demand. It's just 101 economics. Um, the only thing that can move 
uh, is the price. Um, and in fact, I was uh, last week I was down at looking at Tritax Big Boxes, 2.3 million square foot um, uh, distribution center let to Amazon. Uh, it really was it's an extraordinary um, piece of real estate on four floors. Um, the roof uh, is covered in um, PV photovoltaic cells um, and is actually the largest um, uh, solar panel farm uh, uh, in the UK. And that's on one enormous roof. So it's quite, quite extraordinary, really. But um, that's, the, that's the scale. And that's going to be the Amazon's sort of southeast uh, hub of the, just inside the M25. So just drilling down a little further to the top holdings or positions in your portfolio, obviously you've mentioned Tritax uh, and also Venovia. What would sort of give us a, a bit of feel and colour for some of the stocks that you might have amongst those top holdings? Yeah, well, it's a great question because one of our largest holdings is a business that uh, very few, if any, of your um, uh, listeners will have, will have heard of. It's a business called Argon. Uh, it's spelled A-R-G-A-N. It's a French company. Uh, it actually has a market cap of nearly two billion, um, but it's actually 50% owned by the founding family, the Lalonde family. And they are basically France's biggest developer of big box warehouses. So they're like Tritax, but they're in some respects, they're even smarter because they basically buy land, find the tenants, build the units and either hold on to them or sell them. And in fact, they uh, just outside Metz, uh, they completed uh, this week a 2 million square foot, so slightly smaller than the one I mentioned in, in, in Littlebrook in Dartford, uh, four, four Amazon, same thing, four stories, lots of um, PV on the, on the roof, et cetera, et cetera. But they're a, you know, they're, they're a little known company and the share price performance of that has been extraordinary over the last uh, few years. So that's very much in our, in our top 10 holding. Um, we've mentioned German residential, we've mentioned industrial. Other, other names where we have large holdings, uh, I would, which I would highlight in terms of a recovery phase, Derwent London, um, which is a developer of, of, of prime offices um, in, in central London. Um, we think that particularly post-pandemic, uh, what we're going to find is that um, companies really understand they need to really look after their, um, their employees and their employees have, an op have a choice. They can actually work part of their week from home. Some of them have a, 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 a you know, separate office, et cetera. Others uh, at, at home, others don't and will want to come back, particularly younger employees will want to come back to the office. But they have a choice. And, and in, the, in, the, in the race, the, the grab for talent, uh, particularly in, in, um, in tech uh, and in uh, the creative industries that are very dominant here in the West End, you know, Having, having the best in class office space will command uh, the highest rents. And you know, clearly ESG criteria is absolutely crucial for our sector. And we need to be building uh, environmentally friendly, much more uh, energy efficient buildings. And we're going to see an acceleration of redevelopment of older properties. And Derwent London is particularly well positioned uh, to do that. So that's a, that's a strong uh, opportunity for us. I mentioned supermarkets, uh, and we have two exposures. One, some of your listeners will have heard of, Supermarket Income REIT, um, but there's a little known one in, uh, in, in, in Finland, 
um, called Cebus, which was very similar, but we we're also in, in invested in. What's so interesting about the Finnish supermarket uh, environment is it's even more of a duopoly than there is in the UK. They literally have effectively the sort of their equivalent of Sainsbury's and Tesco's kind of fighting it out. But as a consequence, these companies make very good margins. They're very strong, um, very strong tenants. Uh, and that business is a, uh, has, has performed really well uh, for us. The reason I mention a few names that uh, your listeners won't have heard of is to really highlight one of the great attractions of TR Property, which is that we're able to invest uh, in, a, in a lot of small and mid cap stocks. And these companies really either grow and are successful in the listed space, or we find that they ultimately, because more real estate is owned privately than publicly, that then we see M&A activity, and particularly if the, if the stock market undervalues these names, then private equity will come along and, uh, and, and grab them uh, and, and take them private. And um, over the years, we've had many successes uh, in the trust. Uh, Hispania, which was a Spanish hotel business three years ago. Terrorise, which was prime offices in Paris. Green Reit, which some of your listeners will be familiar with, which was Dublin offices. Um, and the common feature with these companies is they have very high uh, management ownership. So as a shareholder, you feel very aligned with the management team. They're going to they're gonna do the right thing. And then obviously in the news last week, sadly, we didn't own the stock, but it was some Modwin property where Blackstone have acquired it. And that's a classic case of a very large land bank, um, which the uh, stock market struggled to value because it's going to take many years for that land bank land bank to be um, sort of monetized, but for private equity, they've, they've, they've got more time and they can um, extract, extract value in different ways. So I think for us at the moment, that's why we feel there are two drivers of the market is that there's a lot of capital out there. Debt markets are well and truly open. Um, we're seeing record uh, in terms of the, the, the price of coupon of debt. Uh, for our big listed companies, they're able to access debt markets. Lots of capital out there seeking to buy hard assets. If you're worried about inflation or you're worried about long duration uh, bonds suffering, you know, real estate is a good place to get your income uh, and, and asset values are, are rising. So we, you know, we, we feel really quite confident about the market. So it, it's, it's very clear, Marcus, from what you're saying, what your outlook is from here and indeed how are you positioned. Um, we've just been through, obviously, quite an extraordinary 12 to 18 months uh, and that very difficult environment uh, globally. Did, did 20, 000, uh, 2020 give you the opportunity to perhaps add new names to your portfolio? And how have you found that the trust has been coping? Yeah, it's a great question, Richard. The, our, our, our financial year runs March to March, so 31st of March. So really, the, you know, the year that we are, we'll be putting out our Full year results um, tomorrow, and um, yeah, none of this is secret because we publish an asset value every day. But you know, the numbers for March twenty to March twenty one, because of course we were starting at the low point, were very positive. We had a total shareholder return of twenty eight percent. The benchmark did fifteen sixteen. We did twenty one. So you know, again, beating the benchmark very very important. So it was it was, but but what we saw during that period was a. The first half of it, um, where you really need to be very, very defensively based, and you, and, but you could still get a lot of income that was really quite COVID secure. We talk about self storage, supermarkets, healthcare, 
um, uh, and, and residential. And what you need to be very underweight was, was retail and consumer facing hotels, food and beverage, et cetera, et cetera. Post the, the vaccine announcement, of course, the tables all turned and you needed to say, what, what were we doing was very responding very much to that changing environment and refitting the portfolio as it were in, in the last few months, which has involved us increasing exposure, not so much to UK retail, where we see still very considerable headwinds, um, but more to continental retail, where rents are were already much more affordable pre-pandemic. It wasn't at the level of over-renting and there wasn't the level of CVAs, i.e. Uh, you know, administrations, etc. So you, we're confident of, of earnings returning in, in European shopping centres faster than the UK. That's been the, the first major place. The second is we have returned to, to London retail um, uh, a little bit where it got very bombed out. We did participate in Shaftesbury's uh, deeply discounted capital raise at, um, at £4. Share price is now £6. Uh, so they had to raise money right at the bottom. So there are some, some examples like that. On hotels, we've been a little more reticent. If we could find hotels that are exposed only to leisure, absolutely, that's going to recover super quick. We're all desperate, desperate for a holiday. And uh, if you try and book a cottage in Cornwall for half term, well, A, you, you can't, B, you're just, it's eye-watering what people are charging. But, but anyway, it, but, but business hotels, and particularly airports, we think that's going to take a long, a long time to recover. So um, we haven't really gone back uh, into that. And then office markets, we think that you know, if you are developing high quality buildings and we are invested in a little company in, in, uh, in Spain, which invests only in Madrid uh, called Arima, which is a, a, a management team who'd sold their previous business, very, um, very, very high quality uh, operators. And they're, they're refurbishing and redeveloping half a dozen buildings in Madrid. And I'm really confident that, that they, will, they will let those well in the coming months. Absolutely fascinating stuff. Unfortunately, that's uh, all we've got time for. So many thanks again for your time, Marcus, and for those very valuable insights. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And of course, you can find much more by the way of investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back next Tuesday with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now.